The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. The reason we've done Daniel is because we've called this year the year of success, and I wanted to place before you a role model of my definition of success. My definition of success is not the size of your house or how many cars or how, many, how much money you have in your house, but it's success is based in fulfilling the mandate of God for your life. If you do that, you're successful. If you don't do that, I don't care how much you gain of this material world, you haven't accomplished your destiny. Success is fulfilling the mandate of God for your life. So you've got to find that out first. And then you've got to do something to make it happen in your life. And that's what Daniel did. And so Daniel was displaced from his home. He was transported to a foreign country. He was thrust into a totally different culture to that which he was used to. But he always rose to the surface. He always rose from the bottom, just cream, just always rose. And always just found that by obeying God, God would favor him and God would bless him, and God would honor him. Come on, that in itself is just what an incredible lesson that is. That if you obey God, it doesn't matter where, where you're shoved in the pile, you'll always rise to the top. God will always make sure that you'll be blessed. So what I want to do today is summarize the whole book by just showing you that Daniel lived in three realms. You say, what he lived in? I thought he lived in Babylon. Well, that was, the, that was the physical realm. But Daniel also lived with this understanding that connected to the physical realm, there's a spiritual realm. And then connected to the physical and spiritual realm, there's the eternal realm. And too often I find that people just live in the physical realm. And this is why, this is why it's so important for you to understand that God's got it. Because God's got it opens you up to the eternal realm. And, and, and if you live with the connection with the eternal realm, you don't stress when the physical realm has fallen apart. Because the physical realm will always have its challenges. Is there anyone here that hasn't had a challenge? Maybe you're facing a challenge right now. Maybe some of you are facing bankruptcy. Maybe some of you last night went to bed thinking, I just want to finish it all. I can't handle it anymore. It's I, I just want out. Can I say to you, that's not the answer for you. The answer is to hang into God because whatever you're going through is temporary. It's got a use by date. Pick up the can, turn it upside down. It's got a date on it saying use by. It's going to get chucked out. Your trial has got a use by date on it. Turn it upside down. God's already got the end sorted out. Whatever you've started isn't the end of your life. It's got a use by date. Can anybody testify that they've gone through some stuff in their life that is now over? Huh? Can anybody testify to that? It's now over. But when you're in the middle of it, you think it's all encompassing, but it's over. And then a new thing starts. But that'll happen over time as well, because everything is temporary. When we live in the understanding that we're in this physical realm for a time, it's connected to the spiritual realm and the eternal. Okay, so let's, let's, let, let me read to you a scripture in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 to 32. Wow, this is really going to encourage you. Verse 31 is just so encouraging. You ready for this? This is what it says. 
And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifice and place there the abomination of desolation. If there's ever a negative scripture for the children of Israel, it was this. This was prophesying that the day would come when that which was sacred would be removed and replaced with the abomination of desolation. And what that was, was the very antithesis of godliness. So godliness was going to be removed and the antithesis of godliness was going to replace it. How many of you know that's a horrid day? That is a horrid day. And can I just say that the Bible does not protect us from horrid days. If, if you're in a church that says, if you've got enough faith, everything will go well for you, you need to get out of that church because it's not true. You show me one person in the Bible that had everything go perfect for them. You show me, just show me one. I'd love for you to show me one person that had everything. Jesus, ah, they crucified him. Paul, ha, you want to read about? He shipwrecked and naked and through trials. And he wrote most of the New Testament. So, so, so he put it together, and yet he had trials, tribulations. It's part of the package deal, folks. Well, what's the difference? The difference with us is that God's going to see us through it. That's, that's where our faith is. Our faith is not that we don't have trials and tribulations. Our faith is that through the midst of it all, God's got a bigger plan. That's where our faith is. So the faith that you need is not the faith to avoid trials and tribulations. The faith that you need is the faith to go through trials and tribulations and come through the other end as stronger in God. Can anybody say amen? Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, that's a word for you right there. That's a word for you right there. <laughs> okay. Verse 32, then it says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But this is what I want, to, want you to focus on. But the people who know their God, here it is, but the people who know their God, come on, let me say it one more time. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Come on. This is God's promise. If you know God, you're going to be strong. You're going to carry out great exploits. Understand this, that you're not going to carry out great exploits unless you've got great challenges. We all want the great exploits, but we don't want the great challenges. How does that work? You know, we all, we all want to slay a Goliath, but we just don't want to face a Goliath. We all want a testimony, but we don't want to test. What is that? Come on, get a bit excited when a Goliath comes your way rather than you fearing. Understand the people that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Why is that? Because you begin to understand that the physical is connected to the spiritual and there's warfare that needs to happen in the spiritual to impact the physical. And unless you understand that there's a spiritual realm, then your physical realm will always be ordinary. But when you understand that there's a spiritual realm and it's connected, it's connected. See, this world and the philosophies of this world are all physical. They're all, and that's why science rules in the physical realm. That's why, that's why a lot of 
the philosophers of this world ridicule us because they just live in the physical realm. They've got no concept of the spiritual realm. That's why they'll say, oh, well, if God is real, uh, you know, show us. You know, put him under a microscope. Let's, you know, if, if, if God appears to me and speaks to me, then I'll believe. And it's like, hang on here. You're trying to connect spiritually with all the physical laws rather than understanding there's a spiritual realm out there that you've got to connect spiritually with. And if you try to bring that into the physical realm, then you're not opened up to the spiritual realm and it doesn't work that way. So believe it or not, I'm surrounded by angels here on the stage. You say, what? Now you're spooking us out, John. You're really freaking us out. Bible says that the angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him. Come on. You say, but, but you're the pastor. Obviously, you've got angels. So have you. Bible doesn't say the angel of the Lord encamps around pastors. Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. How many of you reverence and honor God? Well, just say hello to your angels. You're, you're surrounded by angels. I think some of you just got to get that into your spirit. It's, 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 it's fascinating. I, I can still remember as a, as a young pastor, I, I had a cousin who was brought up in the things of God, but just didn't follow through on the things of God. Just, I don't know. It was like, um, when, when I was a kid growing up, the eschatology that we got was, was really warped. And, and an eschatology that I totally don't believe in. And so the eschatology that, that we were raised under was that, um, that there would be this, this tribulation. Um, and, and so if you didn't accept the mark of the beast, that's okay because if you got your head chopped off, then you'd go to heaven. And so I had a lot of cousins that wanted to live like the devil but just hold on till the mark of the beast because there was only one decision they had to make then. It was like... Won't receive, I get my head chopped off, but that's cool because then I can live like the devil. And it's like, you have totally missed the boat here, totally, 100%. And so they, they sort of did life like that. And so it was like, their only expectation was, can't wait for the mark of the beast to come in because then I won't take it, get my head chopped off and I'll get to heaven. Just totally wrong eschatology. I don't, get, don't know where they get it from, but it's certainly not in the Bible. Okay, just I'm putting it out there. It's not in the Bible. It's just wrong eschatology. And, and it's also a wrong understanding of what salvation is all about. Salvation is all about us living for God now. You know, it's not, it's not about, well, I'll die for him. That's, that's what I'll do. I'll die for him. God never says, I want you to die for me. God says, I want you to live for me. So my challenge is not about dying for him. My challenge is about living for him. And so when you understand this whole spirit realm, anyway, so, so this cousin comes one day and he says, oh, John, I'm so glad that I'm in your home. And I said, why is that? He says, because I know if there's one home where the devil can't get in, it's your home. <laughs> it was fascinating just to listen to that mindset because he knew the devil could get into his home. And why is that? Because he'd opened the windows, he'd opened the doors, he'd given access to the enemy. So this is what the Bible calls the enemy. The Bible calls the enemy a lion who goes about seeking whom he can devour. First Peter chapter 5. How many of you know that? Be alert. 
Be on, the, be on the guard because the enemy is like a, a lion, a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So the Bible talks about the enemy as a lion. We all know that. Then the Bible talks about the enemy as a thief. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to rob, to kill, to destroy. So we know that the enemy is a lion and a thief. And there's no question about that. But here's, here's a concept of the enemy that a lot of people don't understand. And here it is. Let me give it to you. Not only is he a lion and a thief... He's also a mindset. Everybody say mindset. And I think that's the toughest one for people to go with. But this is where we've got to understand that we're in spiritual warfare. And one of the ways that the enemy defeats Christians is by placing mindsets into our minds that are wrong, ungodly mindsets. You say, what does it say that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Because for a long time, I never understood this, this passage of Scripture. But when you understand that the enemy is a mindset, then this Scripture starts making a lot of sense. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Come on, are you getting this? Here's Paul saying, saying we are at war. There is warfare going on. So don't just live in the physical realm. Understand that this warfare is in the spirit realm. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, he says in Ephesians 6, but against principalities and powers. You've got to get this, that there's a warfare that's going on for your heart, for your soul, for your mind. And then, then Paul goes on, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And then he begins to explain to us what these strongholds are. And he goes, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every, th- and, and it goes, and, and to bringing, in, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, so, so what are these mindsets that Paul is talking about here? It's, it's in three areas. Arguments, attacks on the knowledge of God, and thoughts of disobedience. Thoughts of disobedience. So, so I just want you to go through that, that, that he says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that the battle, the warfare that we are going in about, is, is in the mind where arguments get in our mind. How many of you had, have had arguments with people whose minds are just, they just, you think, what's happened to your mind? What's going on here? There's, there's, there's arguments against the knowledge of God and our kids are being indoctrinated against the knowledge of God. God is being removed from creation. God is being removed from the Bible. It's like, and, and once you remove God from creation, then all these abominations can come in. Let me be controversial. How many of you want me to be controversial? Do you know, do you know, and, and seriously, I, I'm, I'm not fighting against people. I'm fighting against principalities and powers. There's, there's mindsets that are out there. See, if, if you indoctrinate a people that they weren't creations of God, they were just accidents of the universe, because that's exactly what evolution teaches, that you're an accident. It's just mutations over eons of time. And you're just an accident. At the end of the day, you're an accident. 
versus you are a creation of God. You have purpose and destiny. So what are you going to say to a kid? You're an accident or you're a creation? Because as soon as you start to say you're an accident, you kill their self-esteem. There's, there's, you know, and, and so once their self-esteem is being killed because they're an accident, then you've got to try to build it up with all sorts of things. But when you say to them, you were created in God before the foundations of the earth, God knew you, God loved you. And while you were being formed in your mother's womb, God loved you and God put you together. What? When I was in the womb? God put me together. Yeah, that's what Psalm 139 talks about. While you're in the womb, God was... But don't they destroy babies in the womb now? Yeah, they do. And we call that murder. Oh, but that's not what... Come on, John. Now you're really being controversial. Come on. It's the woman's right. The woman's right. No, it's the woman's care. God, God said, of all the people that I can entrust a baby to... I'm going to trust it to a mother. And what's happened is that the mothers have been indoctrinated through mindsets, saying, saying, that's not a separate being. It's your body, and you can do whatever you want to do with your body. And if you want to kill the baby in your body, it's not a baby. It's just a piece of flesh. It's just a fetus. Whereas the Bible says, no, you before you came out of your mother's womb, were being touched by God and formed in the matrix of the womb. And God was putting certain things of, of destiny in your life and he actually wrote it in his book, your destiny, while you were being formed in your mother's womb. Come on, that's what our kids need to hear. That's the truth. But there are mindsets and there's battles going on. And this is what Daniel is talking about, that there's warfare going on in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm. And those that know their God, that love their God, shall do exploits because they understand that there's a spiritual realm that is going on. Can anybody say amen to that? Come on. So what do you have to keep out of your home? There's there's spiritual forces you've got to keep out of your home. So let me just break it down. Because the big question I have for you is this. Have you locked the door? Have you shut the windows to spiritual forces of darkness in your home? Because there's a war going on. And when there's a war going on, you understand that you've got to lock the door. You've got to shut the windows. So is your home open windows, open doors, and you've walked away, you turned your back for the enemy just to come in and just put his garbage because this is the way that he works. This is the way that he works. He works through ungodly models which create ungodly mindsets, which create ungodly manifestations. So this is the way that it works. Ungodly models. So if you have opened a door or a window for an ungodly model to exist in your home, that's the beginning of an ungodly mindset. So the model creates the mindset and the mindset creates the behavior. It's what you see, get hold of this, it's what you see that influences how you think, which affects how you behave. So it starts with what you see. And what you see then impacts and influences how you think and how you think affects how you behave. So what are the models? The models are just, it's, we're living in an epidemic of ungodly modeling. 
in our worlds, and we've all been we've all been exposed to ungodly models. I mean, you can't watch a movie without seeing ungodly models. You just can't watch a movie. And, and, and the indoctrination of any movie is if a boy and a girl fall in love, within five minutes they're in bed together having sex. Ungodly model. What's the godly model? The godly model is this. Before you have sex, you make a lifelong commitment to your spouse and say, until death do us part, and I'm willing to sign on the bottom line, and I'm willing to give you my life if that's the case. And then within the parameters of marriage, sex is a beautiful thing. That's the godly model. That godly model is being cast asunder for an ungodly model. I mean, it's just, it's just relevant. It's ridiculous. It's shocking. It's terrible, the modeling that goes on, the modeling that is ungodly. So here's the question, parents. What are your kids watching? What are your kids reading? What are your kids looking at? What are your kids... Oh, yeah, but you know, they can read that book. It's okay. It's... But is it a godly model or an ungodly model? Oh, yeah, but it's just fantasy. It's just this, is it a godly model or an ungodly model? That's the question you have to answer. Yeah, but there's no books for them to read. No, there's a Bible. It's a good book. This is... Ah, you want a good book for your kids to read? Here it is. It's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. Yeah, yeah, but that's boring. Ah, that's the problem. They've already been indoctrinated. Huh? There's already an indoctrination because the modeling affects the thinking, the mindset. And that's one of the big problems that we have in Australia right now is that there's a mindset that's been indoctrinated through modeling that's ungodly. And so now we're trying to change the mindset and it's like we're fighting an uphill battle. Because the mindset then creates a behavior. It creates a manifestation. And the manifestation is what we're trying to deal with. There's rebellion and there's insubordination and there's all sorts of things happening. But that only relates to the ungodly models. So when you open your house to, to, to all the onslaughts of the enemy, and that's and, and, and here's another one. I'm telling you, we are faced with a plague of pornography today. And pornography is ungodly modeling. It's as simple as that, and it's creating an ungodly mindset, which will create ungodly behavior. There's no question about that. And so what we've got to do is shut the door to that, shut the gates to that, shut the windows to that, to say, let's not expose our family to ungodliness because there's a warfare going on. Let's get the stuff out of our house. Let's open up the cupboards. Let's see if there's a plague of spiders in our house. Because every day you're cleaning the cobwebs. And what you can't see at night while you're asleep is the spiders are spinning those cobwebs. And for some of you, you've opened the doors to a plague of spiders. And every day you're just cleaning cobwebs. It's time. Some of you are shivering at the very thought, there's a plague of spiders? Come on, let me get the mortine. Let me get the man that's got power over spiders. And the man is Lord Jesus Christ. You shall tramples on scorpions, on spiders, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you because that's the power that God has given the church. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. amen. So, so how do you counteract ungodly models and ungodly mindset and ungodly manifestations by simply replacing them with godly models which create godly mindsets. That's why church is so important. That's why, don't you miss out on church because at church, this is where we give you godly models 
With godly models come godly mindsets, and we share the word of God with you, not just a couple of funny stories. I mean, I'd love to give you a couple of funny stories and make you laugh, but I just know a funny story isn't going to create the mindset. It's the word of God that creates the mindset. And with the godly mindset, you get the godly manifestations. Amen? Okay, so he's Daniel, finishing off Daniel. He's successful because he's connected his physical world to his spiritual world, and they're connected. They're not, they're not separate. They're not two different entities that are disconnected. They are connected. The spiritual impacts the physical. The physical impacts the spiritual. We saw that two weeks ago when we talked about you know, the hindering spirits and all that sort of stuff. But the third thing that Daniel connected was the eternal realm. And I love this. In Daniel chapter 12, can I read just a couple of verses from Daniel chapter 12? It says, at that time, Michael stood up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Everybody say the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Say everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Everybody say everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff that I could share on this. I mean, I could could do a whole series just on Michael, the archangel Michael. And... uh, and how there's warfare in heaven, and you've got Michael, the archangel, leading the angels of God. And when you go to Revelation chapter 12, you can see that there was actually a battle in the heavens regarding Michael and his angels versus Lucifer and his angels, and a third of the angels followed Lucifer. And I just need for you to understand that one-third fell, but two-thirds remained. And so basically, for every fallen angel, there's two righteous angels and so more of those that are with us than those that are against us and you just got to remember that and the other thing is this whenever I get a vision of a fallen angel they've shriveled because they're out of God's presence they just get smaller and smaller and older and shriveled they look like prunes with little bat wings you know in my mind they're just shriveled but you know what every time I see one of God's angels they are radiant full of life and they're just muscly buffed a little bit like me and uh, <laughs> I got a buffed belly. Isn't that awesome, huh? And, uh, and, and just mighty and strong. And so for every little shriveled up prune of a devil, there's two strong, mighty angels. And you just got to keep that in mind, that more of those that are for you than those that are against you. Can anybody say amen? Turn to the person who said, that was for you as well. Okay. And um, anyway, so it moves on. And, and what Daniel has is that he's connected to the physical, the spiritual, and to the spiritual. Spiritual is connected to the eternal. And I just want to focus a little bit upon the eternal realm. Because we're only pilgrims passing through, ladies and gentlemen. So let's not make the physical the end of it all. No, this is just a preparation. How many of you can remember when you were in your mother's womb? I don't think anyone can. But your mother's womb was a preparation for this world. And so there was a time that you were in there, you were conceived, and then you had to leave. And then you left your mother's womb, which was a very confined environment of existence. 
but it was a confined environment of existence. And you left that womb and you came into this world where if you know you lived in a righteous, godly family, there was a father waiting for you at the other end with a smile as I was when Christelle was born, just waiting. And when she came, it was like, sweetheart, I've been waiting for you. How exciting. I actually get to hold you. I knew you for nine months, but, but you were far away. You were in your mother's womb, but now you're in my arms. And you know what? We're going to do life together. I'm going to love you. You're my princess. And so we live in this realm for, for some. It's one year, two, ten. On, on Monday, we had a funeral for, for Paul Dieno. He'd lived here for 52 years. But when he exited this world, it was like when he came into this world, he exited his mother's womb. But then a week or so ago, he left this world and he went and there was a father waiting for him. A different father, Peter. Father God waiting for him. Hey, Paul, I've been waiting for you for 52 years. Now you're in my arms and I'm never going to let you go. And we live in another realm. And so often we're oblivious to that eternal realm. We're so focused on the realm in which we live, the physical realm, that we lose sight of the eternal realm. But can I just say to you that that's the realm that God wants us to live in forever and ever. And so he's actually got a book. It's the book of life. And the Bible talks about the book of life. It's the registry book of everyone that's going to enjoy eternal life. And those that receive Jesus get their names written in the book of life. What a wonderful thing it is to have the assurance that your name is written in that book. Now, can I just say to you that not everybody has their name written in the book because it goes on and it says, it says that many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awaken. So that sleep in the dust of the earth is a metaphor for death. So in the New Testament, Paul talks about those that have preceded us are asleep in Christ. So there's this, this use of the word sleep is, is, is the way that we describe death. And in the dust, we talk about dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And so this is a metaphor of death and then the awakening out of death. So, so the book, The Resurrection, let's talk about The Resurrection. Because again, we've got to get the eternal perspective, the eternal realm, The Resurrection. Shirley, Peter. I'll talk to you because you lost your son. Tim, you lost your dad. But you know, this is what the Bible says, is that there's a day coming. It's called the resurrection day. The trump of the Lord shall sound. And that resurrection day, what happens is that those who have preceded us, those who have died, get a brand new body. So it doesn't matter what you do with this body. You can bury it, you can burn it, you can put it into the sea. It doesn't matter. This body is temporal, and it's not designed for eternity. So it's got to go. I know that some of you don't want to let it go, and I know some of you are patching it up to make it last forever. <laughs> ah? Ah, you're trying to do whatever you... And the Botox, my goodness. In the coffin. <laughs> You'll have that... But it's going to go. Let me tell you, it's got to go. <laughs> Uh, this body is corruptible. 
and the resurrection, God says, I'm going to give you a brand new body, incorruptible. But that body won't be designed to live here. That body will be designed to live with God in heaven forever and ever. And so what's going to happen is that our spirit, that, that which we received when we were in our mother's womb, that spirit that left us when life left us is safe in the hands of Jesus. And it's waiting for the resurrection when it will be connected again. And so what will happen is that, is that the resurrected body will rise from the grave, resurrected for eternal life. What a great hope that is. What a great hope that is. But can I just say, that only happens to all those that are in Christ. You've got to be in Christ. Because if you're not in Christ, then it goes on, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting content. I know that that's a tough one, everlasting content. That's a tough one. Why is that a tough one? Because we want everybody. I mean, have you ever been to a funeral where the dead person is not in heaven now, leading God's choir range? They might have been the biggest hell raiser on the planet, but now that they're dead, they're leading God's choir of angels. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that only those that are in Christ will have everlasting life. Those that are out of Christ, everlasting content. And that's a terrible place to be. And I know that what happens is this, is that a lot of people disagree and dislike what I've got to say about this. And I know that some churches actually stop preaching it because it's, it's awkward. We want to preach faith. We want to preach grace. We want to preach the good. We want to preach, you know, just positive, positive, positive. But can I just say that judgment is also positive? Because judgment points to salvation. And you can't have salvation without judgment. Judgment actually is the outline for salvation. It's like, why would you need a savior unless you're lost? It's, 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 it's your lostness that actually amplifies salvation. Without judgment, nobody knows they're lost. If the message is out, oh, you know, eventually God will save everybody. Well, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of Jesus dying on the cross if God's going to save everybody anyway? You know, what, what is the point? It's like, hang on here. Has nobody read their Bible that Jesus suffered a very cruel death? And, and even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if there's any other way, when he held the cup in his hand, if there's any other way, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There was no other way. That's why Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No man comes to the Father, but by him. That is the gospel. And anything else other than that is a false gospel. If you're going to clap, give the Lord a great big clap because that's the point. I don't want to finish on judgment. I want to finish on salvation. I want to finish on just probably to me one of the greatest metaphors of salvation is Noah's Ark. What a metaphor of salvation that is. There was one boat. One, not two, not three, not four, one. And it was God's boat. 
And it was God's design. And it was God's method of salvation. And the message was clear. Get into the boat. Get into the boat. Judgment is coming. The world is going to be flooded. If you're in the boat, you'll be saved. Get into the boat. What a beautiful message that is. And so I'm one of those preachers like Noah. Huh? This world is going to end, but Jesus is the Savior. Get into Jesus. This world is going to finish, but get into Jesus. This world is going to be judged, but get into Jesus. Get into Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Get into Jesus. Come on. The door is open. Whosoever will can come. The door is open. He paid the penalty. You know, when, when he held his arms wide, what a symbol that was. What a symbol that was. Arms outstretched to humanity. Sometimes we're just focused on the nails, the crown of thorns. But oftentimes we're not focused on the wide open arms that symbolize the cross. Saying, I'm the way. Come. My arms are wide open. It doesn't matter what you've done. The invitation is reaching out to you to come to Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. He's the one who shed His blood. He's the one that loved you before you knew Him. He's the one who sacrificed his all. And today the message is, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. There's salvation in Jesus. There is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, it's in Jesus. That's the salvation of the world. It's in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life thanks for listening to this message from life source christian church mp3 audio lounge we invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources